Well, hello there. Hope you're having a fantastic day. This is JC Bernal, your business growth coach. And the Business Growth Attitude Show, it's all about helping you, the business owner, adopt a business growth attitude to develop, advance, expand, and see the opportunity and potential in every single moment. A business growth attitude will position your business, its brand, and its people for growth, profit, and success. And without further ado, let's get to today's episode. episode number one of the Business Growth Attitude Show. In this episode, I want to tell you a story about a business attitude change that totally transformed my life. I'm Juan Carlos Bernal, your Business Growth Attitude Show host, and I'm a coach, trainer, and along with my wife, Lorena, we run a successful coaching training practice. We work with multinational corporations in the U.S., Latin America, and Canada, and we also help business owners grow their companies while eliminating the stress and overwhelm and the time frustration that comes along with growing a business. The confession that I want to make today is that I haven't worked in 13 years. And this comes from when I did the transition from IT consulting into coaching. I believe that that day I stopped working because I'm a believer, a testament, that when you do what you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, I have great clients. I have a lifestyle that I love. I travel to visit family in Miami, in St. Paul, Minnesota, in Mexico City, and we are just enjoying life and the work we do with our clients every single day. But let me tell you something. It wasn't always like that. I can tell you that uh, you, from my accent, you can tell I'm Cuban. I was born in Cuba right at the end of the revolution and right before the Cuban Missile Crisis. So you can imagine in the midst of scarcity, fear, and very uncertain times. I mean, I must have been four or five years old and I'm looking for mom. I'm calling out mom and I finally find her. She is in the back door looking out and I come behind her and I hug her and she turns around and looks at me and I say, mom, you forgot to feed us today. And just tears rolled down her eyes because obviously she hadn't forgotten. There was just nothing to eat. And that's uh, really, how, that's how scarce things were at the time. Now, on top of that, my parents had decided to leave the country. They were gonna give us a better life in the United States so as soon as you decided, they decided that, we were labeled worms. And the worms were those people that were uh, believed to be tra uh, traitors to the country because they were leaving the country. So in the midst of scarcity, you were the last in line. I mean, you, you were a worm. You, you were not only as kids, we were made fun of, ridiculed, but also uh, everybody else ate before you did. And in the midst of this situation is where I was born. This, is, this was my reality. Uh, eight years old and I'm sitting in the classroom and I remember having a book bag that my aunt had fought for and finally gotten for me right before the school started. And 
for me, that was the only possession I had, was the only thing I ever had. I remember looking into it and trying to put things in it. Obviously, it didn't have much to go into the bag, but there I was in the class feeling like I was the one, that, the only kid in the class that had a book bag. And I'm sitting there and I see this soldier with a gun strapped to his shoulder and he calls out to the teacher. And as soon as that happened, just fear came over me. Because once again, we were worms. We, we didn't always was in expectation of something happening to us. They had taken my dad already uh, to do volunteer work because he had to pay for the penalty of leaving the country. And so seeing that soldier for me was like, what's gonna happen? And the teacher comes over and says, put everything in your bag, you're leaving. And I was so scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what would, where we were going, where he was taking me. And the reality of the moment, just the thoughts that came over and as an eight-year-old, what could happen? And we picked up my brother and we went to our house. And when we got there, there was chaos. It was total chaos. There were neighbors coming in and out of the house, taking things. Uh, the, our number had come up for us to leave. And I remember standing in the middle of the living room and somebody comes by, snatches my book bag, empties what little things I had in it on the floor and goes to the refrigerator, puts some stuff inside and just walks out the door with my book bag. And the only possession I had had just left and I was in speechless basically just thinking what what's going on and the social soldiers at the house were just hurrying us up trying to get us out as soon as possible we were taken to my great-grandmother's house where were uh, my grandparents were already there my uncles were there uh, everybody that cared for us was there because they were saying goodbye. We were leaving. My grandmother comes to me, hugs me, kisses me, and calls out to my uncle and says, you better hug him and kiss him because this may be the last time you see him. And just so many mixed emotions at that point. What was gonna happen? Where was I going? Uh, at the same time, I had that illusion of going to this paradise that was promised to us because parents were so afraid of kids saying that they didn't want to leave when they got to the airport, that they painted a picture of this paradise that we were going to. The United States was going to have everything we wanted. We just had to ask for it and it would just be given to us. And it was a technique because of the fear that we would say at some point that we didn't want to leave the country and the government would say, well, you parents can leave, but the kids have to stay. So in less than 48 hours, I was landing in Miami and by no means was this the paradise that I had pic pictured in my head. Uh, we were uh, landing in the midst of desegregation. I mean, schools were being in integrated. We didn't even get to go to our uh, district schools. We were bused to another school, different cultures, different situations. Uh, I remember my brother fighting every single day to protect us from the hostility that was 
being spread through the whole school and everybody was going through the same thing. We were all being bused from different districts into the same school. And for me, this was the something that I couldn't face as reality. I would say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and this all is going to be a dream. And every day, that was my routine. I would go to bed and I would say, this is all a dream and I'm going to wake up from it and be back in my place at home. And obviously that never happened. So what I did is I, I developed a story. I developed this uh, paradigm that we do when, when things like this occur. And my paradigm was I lose everything. I better hide and not get attached to anything or anybody because I lose everything. And I don't remember having friends in, in elementary or middle school or high school or college. I, don't, I look back and maybe one, two people that were close to me, but uh, in reality, never got attached to anybody. Because if anybody at any point was giving me a sign that they were going to leave or they were going to, I would jump first and leave first. So relationships were very hard for me. And this is what I grew up with. This is what I had. And then I, I come into uh, adulthood and I starting businesses. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So uh, I get out of college and I get a, a job as a programmer. And within six months or even less, a one of the sales reps goes, hey, I'm the one that sells and you're the guy that programs. So why don't we open a company and I'll sell the computers and you program them and install them and and I go yeah why not and we started a company and it really went well for us I mean there was a lot of demand at the time PCs were just starting out so smaller business could uh, afford to have a computer so we started installing computers and, and building the company and hiring programmers to help us and we landed this tremendous opportunity with Toshiba that gave us the distribution of all their PC line all from South Florida all the way down to all Latin America. So you can imagine the company was growing, was doing fantastic, was doing really good. And then all of a sudden, our friends at IBM decided to come up with their PC. And once that happened, 100% of our sales stopped. We couldn't sell one computer. We couldn't even give them away. Uh, that's how bad it was. So the, the bank started calling in the loans. Toshiba was pressing us to pay for the computers. We had a stock room full of computers that we couldn't give away. And eventually we just had to fold. And at that same time that, that where I lost the company, lost everything that I had, I, I lost my house, I lose cars, and I, I started having this pattern with this attitude of I lose everything that was just becoming a reality in my life. And I look back and it was, that's the way it was. I would lose everything. So I jump into different industries to see if it was the computer industry that once I had the problem. But in every industry, the fate was the same. Companies started uh, doing good, doing great, making money, and then fold. And I was just living in a state of frustration and anxiety and fear. And then one night my brother calls me up and says, hey, listen, there's this preacher, there's this prayer meeting, and I want you to go with me. And uh, at that point, I was 
ready for anything. And I showed up to the meeting and this guy was preaching about this God of abundance, uh, God of freedom and God of peace. And it was totally the opposite of everything I was feeling. I mean, I was anxious, living in scarcity and, and full of fears. And at the end, they said, if you want prayer, if you want somebody to pray over you, you know, there's groups in different places. So I got up, stood in line and came up to these two little lovely old ladies. And they came up to me and says, what would you want us to pray for, son? And, and I said, immediately came out of my mouth, peace. That's all I wanted. I wanted peace. And they did. They prayed for me. And by the time I walked back to my seat, I was overwhelmed in peace. For the first time in a long time, I was able to sleep all night. Uh, I woke up in the morning and I was feeling like there was no problems. I thought all my debts were paid. The company was doing great. I felt like all my, everything that I was being, uh, that I was worried about had just gone fixed. Obviously not, that, that was not the case, but I was feeling that way. I was feeling this peace that uh, it's beyond all understanding. I, I, I am, it, it, all, all of a sudden I realized that it didn't matter, you know, the companies or the money or the work that I put in that that peace came from inside, that that peace was given to me and it didn't matter whether I had or didn't have, uh, I could have this peace and I knew this peace would never leave me. And then I realized, I go, if I can have this peace having and not having, I wanna have this peace having. And I went into this search to find how do I build my business? How can I break through all these old patterns that I have and build a business? And now with a clear head, I was able to start searching for that. And as it happens, as soon as you start searching, you find. And I was given a book by Zig Ziglar, See You at the Top. And that opened up my mind to saying, wow, there's so much that I can accomplish. And from there, I went to uh, Tony Robbins conferences. I heard the tapes. I read one book a month and I, I just started devouring everything that I could find that would help me get out of this state of I lose everything attitude that I didn't want to have anymore. And in one of the conferences I was, I was in Toronto and Bob Proctor was there and he was speaking about the ability of just uh, creating, making goals and achieving. And he said, you know, that there is very, very small percent of people that make $100,000 a year. And, and I said, I want to be one of those. And I remember I set that goal. I, it's late July, early August. And I said, by December, I would have made $100,000. And when any, end of year came by, I had made $110,000 in service, uh, in sales of my services. And, and, I, and I, that's when things changed for me. Things started turning around. Uh, I, my income stabilized. I was really being able to produce and maintain my family. Uh, I was beginning to get out of debt, and, and things were there was things were going well. I, I must say, and it, it wasn't where I wanted to be, but at least it was a start. I knew I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, and then I received a call. I received a call and it was my wife's cousin who worked for 
the doctor where she had just done some studies earlier on and she says you need to get home because I'm heading over there uh, your wife was has been diagnosed with cancer and I want you to be there so when I give her the news she's not alone and that news just hit me like a bucket of cold water it was the, the, the most dreadful thing I could hear at that moment and then nothing mattered at that point all I wanted to do was just be with her and care for her and then everything started the whole process the chemotherapy the radiation the surgeries looking for alternatives so that I could help her and as she the years went by she weakened and I needed to take care more of her so I had had such a good experience with coaching that I said maybe coaching is something I can do and that way I can take care of her and at the same time I could do uh, the coaching and I enrolled in IPEC school for coaches and uh, I got certified as a coach. The process took me through this experience of realizing what I was born to do. That was incredible. It, it was like I, I had been coaching all these years and I didn't even know. This is what I always done. This is this was my passion. This is what I wanted to do. And it, it turned my whole world around because then I said, I don't want to do ever anything else. This is this is what I was meant to do. And during that time, I had a friend of mine that reached out to me and says, hey, you think you can coach me? I'm having a really difficult time with a company. I, um, I'm tired of it. I can't stand it anymore. And I would really appreciate your help. And I said, sure. Uh, give him two or three sessions by the third session. He says, I know exactly what I want to do. I, I want to open my own company. I can't be working for anybody else anymore. And he says, but I can only do this if you join me. It's not going to require a lot of your time. You're going to be able to spend time with your wife and, um, and you can continue to build your practice. So I said, well, that's a no-brainer. I needed the, uh, to subsidize the growth of my coaching practice on the meantime as I got more clients. And we started a company and it was doing fantastic. I mean, this company grew really quick. We were making a lot of money really quick. And it really helped me through the period where I was taking care of my wife, spending more time with her. And then one day we, we get a call from the doctor and says, there's no use in coming back to the hospital. And she's reached the end of all her treatments. And you, you, got, you guys got probably uh, a few weeks left and that's it. And uh, I remember I sat down with my wife and I said, we need to talk about this. We need to sit and have a serious conversation because our hopes, our faith, and everything that we had towards her healing, we knew was coming to an end. And I said, we need to have a conversation. And we sat down and, and we had that tough conversation. And we said what we needed to say to each other. And I asked for forgiveness and, and she asked for forgiveness. And we forgave each other. Uh, not for anything major. It was just, just in case there's anything that we've done to hurt each other. And we asked the question, is there anything else we could have done? Was there anything else? And both of us said, no. We were very satisfied. We were married 27 years. 
happily married. And we had that satisfaction of saying, you know, we're reaching the end and, uh, and we're satisfied with our marriage. And I was lucky enough to hear that. I know a lot of people don't get to hear this because uh, they lose their spouses in different ways and they don't have the opportunity to speak in this manner. And I did. And I had that gift of actually uh, being able to hug her and kiss her and spend that time with her knowing that I had said goodbye. And the, the joy of knowing that we had done the best for each other that we could. Right after that, in the midst of my pain of the loss of my wife, uh, my partner opens up a company behind my back and transfers all the clients and all the vendors to that company and all of a sudden says, hey, we don't have any more sales. We need to shut down because this is, this is costing too much. And he continues to sell on, without my knowing uh, to his clients and creates his own business and leaves me with a whole bunch of debt. And that was it. So in the, imagine in the midst of this pain, I'm going through uh, and hearing the news of not only uh, did you lose your wife, but now you're betrayed by your friend. And all these thoughts start coming back. It was like all the ghosts that I had left behind all of a sudden reappeared. And there were the questions, should you even continue with your coaching practice? Why don't you just get a job? Why don't you just leave all this? I mean, you don't have a wife to take care of anymore, so why even bother? And it, it was just that questioning, questioning myself to see if I were continue. It was like a test to see if I could endure all this. And I stood up and I made a decision. I said, I'm not going to quit. This is what I was designed to do. There's a lot of people out there that need my help. There's a lot of people out there that I can help and I'm not going to give up. And I refuse to surrender. And shortly after that, I started getting calls and I started getting contracted. I started traveling. I started speaking. I started teaching. I started coaching more and more people. And for me, it was like uh, that breakthrough that I needed. Uh, all this time, all these years, all these uh, problems were just a stepping stone to getting to this place where now I knew what my purpose was. Now I knew what my passion was. And as things got better and uh, there, there were, not to say that everything was perfect, but there wasn't anything that I couldn't overcome. Now I knew what I needed to do. Now I knew where I needed to move. And, and I was teaching companies how to do marketing, how to do sales. I was teaching leadership courses and I was coaching business owners on how to develop their companies. And during all this process, as the years went by, uh, I met this wonderful lady from Mexico, a uh, beautiful woman, tremendous heart, a uh, psychologist. And I decided to come and meet her and see if we could have a closer relationship because we're having a long distance relationship and long story short we get married and I moved to Mexico and everybody was telling me you're crazy what are you going to do in Mexico you know getting clients there is going to be very hard very difficult you're not going to be able to uh, open doors over there stay in the states you, there are people who know you 
you know who you're working for, uh, and, and but fear really disappeared completely for me. For me, uh, I knew that everything that I could, that I would get involved with, would work. Uh, and um, Lori and I opened a, a company. Bernal Mancebo is our coaching and training company, and we started getting clients here, clients that people told us you will never open a client there. Uh, immediately we started contacting corporations and uh, in a couple of years we have built a practice that was pretty big here in Mexico and we also are working in the States and we're working in Canada and working in Latin America and we even got clients in Europe and it's been fantastic. It's been a fantastic journey and people always ask me, if you could go back and do something different, it goes, I would be afraid to do anything different because it might not turn out to be the way it turned out to be. So I wouldn't touch a thing because once I found my purpose and I found my mission, I found uh, this passion that I have for doing what I do, I don't want to change anything. And I think this is the why of the business growth attitude podcast came out. It's because I need to get the word out that it is possible to have your dreams come true. It is possible to grow your business and at the same time have the lifestyle that you want and continue to uh, serve and deliver to the people, whether it's a product or a service, in a way that you're passionate about. And I'm a big believer that 95% of building a business is attitude and 5% is strategy. Um, customers come to me because their companies have hit a plateau. They, they're not growing as fast or they're not growing at all. And I, yeah, we work on strategies and we get people in the right seats and we work on sales and we work on finances and we restructure and do a lot of work in that sense. But it all boils down always to the attitude of the owner. So you see, companies can't grow beyond what the owners have grown. If you don't grow as an owner and you don't change the attitude and you don't have a business growth attitude, the company's going to get to that plateau and you're not going to be able to get to the next level. And that's why in future episodes, yeah, we're going to talk about business strategies, but we're going to talk a lot about attitude and how our attitude of mind is what's going to get us to that place we want to take our company to so that it can give us everything we want from it. I certainly hope that you have enjoyed this first episode and I look forward to spending more time with you here in the Business Growth Attitude Show. And uh, know that I will have a list of uh, guests that are going to be with us here where we're going to pick their brains and have them give us that, the wisdom that got them to grow their companies and build their business. So I hope you can enjoy me for this journey and I would love for you to be a part of it. So I hope that you join me for episode number two. This is JC Bernal. It was great to be with you. And remember, change your attitude, change your life. 
Thank you for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to be in this journey with me. I would ask you to rate and review the podcast. That really helps. And also visit businessgrowthattitude.com where you can find resources, especially the free strategy sessions for those of you that are growing your company or have reached a plateau and want to break through that and get to the next level of growth. Take the free strategy session. Let's work together. Let's get you growing your business. Talk to you soon and we'll see you in the next episode.